0: I hate this town, I hate this fucking town I don't even want to be in this town I know to leave this town going not take this town, I do You know this town must be run its This fucking town, we can leave this town walking on the grass and I've never seen this town She's got dreams too big for this town
1: Hello, and welcome to got Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop-punk and emma-pop retrospective. I am, as always, Elaine, and with me there are two other... people?
2: It's me, the Fletcher.
3: It's me, the, uh, uh, person-shaped
1: Adam. Okay, shape of a person. It's one of my favorite D&D spells. <laughs> I <don't Personed> know.
2: Person-shaped <laughs> person?
1: Yeah. Uh, well... This is a great way to start our podcast. What are we doing today?
2: Today, it's the Midtown Super Show Extravaganza. Not limiting ourselves to one album, but their entire careers. You're going to record one podcast, but you only need The Edge.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we were going to do their second record, which is their first charting record, which is called um, Living Well is the West Revenge. Then I listened to that record and I was like, I am not talking about this for an hour. This is not, it's not even bad. It's just like, it's, it's, um, it's Newfound Glory, but slightly worse. I listened to the whole thing
2: straight through and I could only write three notes. Reminds me of my prior take on Lit. Not a lot here. No standout tracks. Middle of the road energy.
3: So that's funny, because that kind of encapsulates what I was going for, which is, it sounds like if Lit, Blink-182, and Simple Plan had an ill-advised threesome while they were kind of (laughs)
1: high. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so we decided, what if, what if we look at all of the reg, given that there was just Another record that we had to cover for this show, we were like, "Let's look at that one, and let's have a whole midtown super show here featuring all the wrestlers from SmackDown and Dragon Guard, sponsored by Square Enix, <laughs> featuring Dante from Devil May Cry." <laughs> Mine is an actual thing that
2: got advertised on WWE.
3: While I was listening to this album on Spotify, I kept on getting. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin advertising me, uh, cold Tide Pods. What? Huh. For every ad break.
1: Okay. Okay, then. To be fair, the names of all of the people in the band are very, like, ECW mid-carder from, like, the late 90s. Like, you c- come and tell me that Rob Hit and Heat Saraceno aren't, like, a tag team from ECW at some point.
2: I'm sorry. I do I just looked that up and I discovered that a new campaign highlighting sustainability by Tide features iced tea, vanilla ice, and stone cold Steve Austin trying to get you to wash your laundry in cold water.
3: Oh yeah, iced tea and vanilla ice were there too, but like
1: I am really confused by all of this, and I will propose that we start talking about the history of Midtown. Who are these Midtown people? Why are they in the middle of the town?
2: House was in the middle of the street, and then their band was in the middle of the town, so they became the center of things, sort of by default. Because this whole thing is incredibly mad, and since we're talking about the 2000s, this is also Sparta, or specifically Supporta. Gabe Saporta on voice and bass, Tyler Ran on guitar, Heath Saraceno on another guitar, and Rob Hit. I see what he did there on drums. Despite their names making them sound like ECW mid-carters, which it was the era for, they actually met in 1998 at New Brunswick, Newark at Rutgers University.
3: I was born that year.
2: Ha. <sighs> Just like Midtown, you have aged gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. It was the kindest backstabbing of a compliment I could deliver. It's appreciated. Most of them were playing in smaller bands in the local scene at the time, and after meeting, they decide to leave all of those bands behind and form some kind of supergroup, Voltron. Wait, Midtown. Midtown will get together and record some songs and release their first EP through Pinball Records, The Sacrifice of Life. Using this connection to get to drive through, they manage to get a contract and drive through will re-release The Sacrifice of Life in a joint effort with Pinball, strengthening the band's brand.
1: Yeah, The Sacrifice of Life, uh, I actually liked it. I think it's one of the best things that they've done, despite being literally the first thing that they've done. It's very alkaline trio. Like, it has emotional vocals over very straightforward pop-punk instrumentation. And yeah, it's neat. The Easy Way Out reminds me of, like, early Fallout Boy, which is pretty listenable. I like this EP, Good EP.
3: You know that that's funny because you know in the later of the two uh, albums that we're gonna cover, I listened to that and I was like, "Gee, this is like if uh, Alkaline Trio and AFI just like weren't as good."
1: Yeah, there are some tracks like that in the one that we listened for today. So yeah, I get you. It's definitely one of their influences.
0: While the life she's led through you And every passing day Leasley wondering what is really true I'm gonna find you Seeing Sally through and through, Sadness cuts this place And let our means by which to uncover true
2: Speaking of their influences, in 2000, they're able to work with Mark Trombino as a producer. And what comes out of this is another album we're not going to talk about that never charted, Save the World, Lose the Girl. A record that goes in a more Blink-182 pop-punk direction, while still maintaining an emo-lyrical edge and harsher guitar bits like uh, Recluse, the track on that album. Following the momentum of their debut, the band will take a period off to tour around the United States, supporting their pals in Blink-182 and even playing at the pop-punk showcase, The Warped Tour.
1: Yay! We all love The Warped Tour.
3: They were at the rock show that people get welcomed to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They fell in love with some girl at that rock show. But yeah, this momentum eventually catches the attention of uh, the major label MCA, which had strict ties with Drive Thru, if you remember us talking about Drive Thru. And they decided that, you know, it was time to redistribute Save the World, Lose the Girl under their label to give them more, you know, distribution, reach, whatever. So while this happens, the band will go back in the studio to record their second record, which we listen to. Living Well is the Best Revenge. And some music will go here
0: she tries to replace she tries to replace how-
3: Every time I read the album title for this, mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be Three Cheers for Revenge, and I'm like, My Chemical Romance? Oh, yeah, no, we're not covering them. Yet. Uh,
1: yeah, it's a really good record by My Chemical Romance. I want to talk about that so badly. That record is so good.
3: Me too.
2: Also one of the only R.E.M. songs I've I don't know that song. Living Well is the Best Revenge, uh, if you don't put in Midtown's name, will just bring you to the R.E.M. track.
3: Oh. Mm-hmm. Damn, I should have been listening to R.E.M. this whole time.
1: But yeah, Living Well is the Best Revenge will be distributed jointly by Drive Thru and MCA, and will once again be produced by Mark Trombino, which we love. He knows what he did. So we all listened to this. And I don't think, uh, as we mentioned, deserves a track-by-track breakdown, but what did you all think of this record? Firmly mediocre. Yeah, yeah.
3: Middle of the road in the same way that Simple Plan is middle of the road, but it lacks the nostalgia, so, like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) eh. Also, Midtown doesn't have the excuse of being 17.
1: Mm. (laughs) This dude really likes Newfound Glory. Like... The guitar on this record is very newfound glory, almost one-to-one. One. There are there is a lot of inspiration there. And I don't know, I like some of the songs on air. Like a movie, it's like fast, punky, faulty foundation, has some AFI vibes, sort of less gothic, but has that speed. But They sort of lose their emo edge on this record, and I think that's for the worse, because they sort of, that that was their whole personality on their previous records, being sort of, like, emo and, like, more serious than their contemporaries. So I don't know. They do a lot with multiple vocalists, because literally everyone in the band sings. And maybe I would have more to say about it had I done the usual
2: look up the lyrics that I tend to do for these in the notes, but... Since we changed plans and didn't do a second listen of this day of, I did not do that. And as a result,
1: eh. No, I agree. I don't think there's a lot here. Like, I'm struggling to find things interesting. But yeah, like, every vocalist, every member of the band actually sings on this record, which makes for some interesting ideas in how they layer vocals. But yeah, One Last Time was sort of the worst track for me, because it starts as an emo callback. And then it becomes just another radio rock song, and you'll know what I think about radio rock songs. They're just not good. So yeah, the best part of this record, just the uh, leather jacket the girl on the cover wears, because it's a really cool leather jacket.
3: You know, that's fair.
2: They have some interesting cover design. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is... It's not bad. It's not good. It's like... It's fine. I will not be angry if this was playing in my vicinity, but I'm not gonna remember most of it, honestly.
3: I think that this is a really good way of demonstrating why it doesn't get its own episode, though. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had to talk about this for an hour and a half?
1: Yeah, no, this record, especially after Goldfinger, which was sort of with this vibe of I don't want to talk about this for like an hour, This record is why we decided to not give it the whole episode.
3: (laughs) Yep, that's valid.
1: Don't worry, folks. Next week we will be back to normal with... Strung Out. I listened to a bit of the Strung Out record, and it's worth talking about. I don't know if you all will like it, but Strung Out is interesting. As long as Strung
2: Out isn't secretly sublime under a new name, I'm good. (laughs) Look, they went through seven different things before reforming. Uh, anyhow... Following the release of the record, Midtown will be thrown into a heavy touring schedule. Even a short stint in Europe with Gotta Get Out of This Town's darlings, Jimmy Eat World.
1: Yay! Sorry, I get happy when I hear Jimmy Eat World.
2: <laughs> it's alright. It's perfectly reasonable. Unfortunately, the conflict with drive through records that's been boiling for a while will come to a head while they are in Europe and the band will start legal actions to be released from their contract. In interviews, the band is outwardly hostile towards their label, stating that they were constantly lied to and were unable to be shown their royalties charter, and claim the label stole money from what they were supposed to be paid. They were trying to force them into a teen boy band mold. A lot of different things that speak of we don't know what to do with you, and we don't trust you with any of this. And also, we're going to make back what meager profit we can off of you.
1: I, I gathered a really great quote from the time they were sort of just like openly shit-talking the label in interview. So, Fletch, could you do us the honor of doing the quote here? Absolutely. Gabe.
2: And it's like, they're not really interested in their bands. And if a band of theirs is doing that well, you know, they have bands that don't do that well. And then they don't invest anything into those bands. Tycho. They're like the bastard children, you know? Gabe. And they will be so psyched about a band, like when the Benjamins were coming out, they were all psyched about it and it was all Benjamins, Benjamins, Benjamins. Then they didn't do well and they just dropped them. Eventually, they will get out of their contract after years of legal battles and be briefly signed to MCA just in time for MCA to be merged into Geffen Records who also do not care about Midtown at all. (laughs) (laughs)
1: In the late 2003, without even having a new label yet, they start recording what will end up being their last record, Forget What You Know. I already forgot what I know about this record. Yeah. Forget What You Know ends up being produced by Butch Walker, who befriended the band after they played some days together. And by this point, they were also sharing a manager. And the album ends up, in the end, after they shopped to various labels, it ends up being taken and distributed by Sony Imprint Columbia Records. Which is fairly big, so they do have a fair shot at fame here. The band is stated to be going for a more straightforward rock and roll sound for this record, but despite that, the record will end up not performing particularly well. It will stay on the Billboard 200 chart for only two weeks, topping at 109 without even generating any particular critical buzz or whatever, actually a lot of reviews were fairly savage about this record at the time, which I don't necessarily agree, I think this is probably the best record they did, but whatever. Uh, The single Give It Up gets a music video and some alternative station plays, but it's not really enough to push the band any further. Actually a pretty decent video, if y'all have seen it, the Give It Up video.
2: I did! I wrote it down as character actor espionage play.
1: Oh, fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, Yellow Card did basically the same videos. I I don't know if before or after this, because this is 2004. Uh, and this is a better version of this video. I like this better than the Yellow Card video with the same concept. I like when he time cops himself. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the record before we can go to the... I I think, yeah, I think we're all here to know what they did after this record, but let's talk about this record, this is the meat of our show, let's do it. Y'all, you're in for some stories. (sighs) Let us talk about this...
2: intro track it is called armageddon motherfuckers it is what happens if you do hell march from the red alert series on a budget
3: (laughs) it's also only called armageddon on spotify yep there is no motherfuckers
2: apparently that was the album name so
1: huh? it's a minute long it's very it's an intro I I feel it doesn't really fit with the rest of the mood of the record, but whatever.
3: It's an intro. I mean, it it was setting me up to be not happy with the album because it starts out very quiet. And whenever things start out very quiet, I turn it up because I'm like, oh no, like, are my headphones malfunctioning? Every time. And then I die. Every time. Like Charlie Brown with the football. And then I don't like that band for the rest of the album. So... That's on them, not me.
2: Lucy yanks the volume control away.
1: Yep, every time.
2: So instead, let's raise
1: one to our savior. It starts almost sort of indie, like that intro at the beginning, almost reminded me of Block Party. But then it sort of goes back into a punkier alt-rock emo melody with the long-held vocals and full-on rock guitar, which has... Less interesting. I don't know. This is a decent rock song as a solo that's actually sort of fun.
3: You want people to have fun with their music? What the fuck is that?
2: (laughs) Honestly, I was just more into the fact that one track in, we were already at a
1: much more interesting sound than all of the prior record. Oh, absolutely. I chose this as the one that we went track by track, because this is definitely their best record. It's way more varied. It's a bit more aggressive, a bit more like rock, rather than just straightforwardly pop punk. I don't mind this song. This is a decent song.
2: Also, this is the start of the first half of the record being a whole lot of God
1: titles, and I worried that we were back in DC Talk Town. No, no, this, the the, the main theme of this record is like, no thanks, I don't like sex, I like philosophy and atheism. That's the, the main true line of all of this record. It's a guy being, like, being offered sex and being like, no thanks, I like atheism rather than sex. While you were having sex, I studied the Play-Doh. Yep. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... How can I put it? It's very Fedora? Yes. (laughs) This whole record is very Fedora. (laughs) Carrying
2: around Midtown's Forget-What-You-Know-Under-Your-Arm-Like-An-Accessory is the equivalent of certain styles of facial hair, a fedora hat, and or a trench coat of specific length.
1: Again, it's not malicious. Like, I, I never hated this dude, but it's very... It's very its own thing. It's very, like... It's cringeworthy.
3: Yeah. This album sounds like someone I would have dated in high school. Like, I can't say that it's horrible, but I don't think that I like it now.
2: (laughs) I don't regret doing it, but it was a waste of my time, just like Daniel. (laughs)
3: Yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) Well then, shall we talk about Give It Up? Which is the song that gets the video. And its own single cover art. It
2: does. Which looks like notebook doodles. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: To say that on lyrics genius um there's you know the little clip of the music video which as always is the only part of the music video i'm going to watch and it's just he looks like he's about to eat the microphone like he looks like he's about to take a nice big chomp out of it
1: <laughs> look sometimes you're really angry yeah my dude has
2: some unfortunate benedict cumber face going on in this video
1: yeah i like the video it's like a. Uh you know, spy thing with a guy with a backpack, which we don't never discover what's in it, and it's like running away from a bunch of people who wants the backpack. And it's just like, fun.
2: Literally everyone
1: sees this because it's the
2: backpack that makes people hate you. Mm-hmm. An entire grocery store just starts chasing him at one point while the music takes a break. <laughs> that was a really fun part. Uh, then he runs into himself singing the song and gets like moved out of the room by the other guy like threatening to touch him and time cop him into a ball and then he has to run back up the stairs
1: yep it's very simple like there have been multiple videos with this concept like i mentioned before there's a yellow card video that's really similar to this but this probably has like the most imaginative bit that i've seen in a video of this kind like the bit when everyone uh, chases him in the supermarket is fun the bit when he meets himself that's also fun i don't know like it's 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 a very dumb concept, but it's done well. I enjoy this video.
2: I'm gonna pitch the one that goes even harder into this in both dumb and concept. Okay. Do you remember Metallica's "I Disappear" video for Mission Impossible 2? Oh, I don't. They're all spies who are so good at their job, they manage to escape the opening scene of Mission Impossible 2 before Tom Cruise finishes climbing the bluff. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah and all of the band members are in different thriller picks like one of them is being chased by the plane from north by northwest one of them is walking against a crowd in a suit in the middle of wall street man and lars ulrich is fleeing from some kind of shockwave down the streets of san francisco in a muscle car
1: does the does the thing that he's fleeing for have the napster logo because that's really scary No, but it does cause someone to jump out a building. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, this is... I don't like this song, but it has a good energy.
2: I can't remember a single thing about the song. I listened to this twice and nothing.
3: Yeah, I know the feeling. I think that this album might be slightly haunted or something. (laughs) Or like this band. Like, I remember there later thing very well, but this, it's like, you know, I've listened to it this week, I've listened to it this morning, and it just slip slides right out of my brain like it's been greased.
2: The names of the tracks are way more memorable than anything that happens inside (laughs) them. That is not
1: unfair. I don't know, the song is sort of like Alkaline Trio, but worse. Like, Alkaline Trio was doing this kind of sort of, like, heavy... Punky, but with sort of a heavier edge song like four years before this record and it was doing it better Like the problem with this song is that it sort of doesn't have any strong hook Like in the middle of the chorus it goes, all right, stop waiting shouted, really shouted, and I feel that should be the hook for the chorus But it doesn't really work for me. It isn't enough. It isn't really memorable has this really lame bridge that sort of kills the energy, doesn't work as a build-up. I don't know. Maybe if this was, like, two minutes, I would have enjoyed it. But it's three minutes 39. It's very repetitive. And Fetch, do you have a percentage of how much of the song is give it up?
2: It turns out it is roughly 25%. So little? That's... that's... So little. He does repeat a lot of things. Not as much as you think. It's, if I were to add, it's not me you're waiting for,"s we'd jump up to 40 or 50.
1: Okay. That, it feels way more repetitive than it is, I guess.
2: The problem is, it's not just repeating one line, it's repeating three sets of lines. That's what makes it worse. Also, speaking of making it worse, did you know... This was on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. What? And it shared the space on that album with some of these other songs. Did You by Hoobastank. Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. Hold On by Jet. Gifts and Curses by Yellowcard. Woman by Maroon 5. This photograph is proof I Know You Know by Taking Back Sunday. Also, Switchfoot's Meant to Live is on this album, because why
1: not? It was 2004. This soundtrack is one of the most cursed thing I've ever heard on this podcast, and I appreciate you, Fledge. And
2: we've heard some cursed things. It was on a second soundtrack that same year that was way more interesting. Burnout 3. Yes, cuz then it started sharing things with Funeral for a Friend, Franz Ferdinand, The Ramones, Autopilot Off, Pennywise, also Fallout Boy. And Sugar Cult again, because yeah, those guys were everywhere. It was 2004.
1: No! My nemesis.
2: You really can't get rid of Sugar Cult in 2004.
1: You think we could just like solve them in water? But we can't. They're just there. Continuously.
3: Also, 100%, I will never be able to remember their name. I still think their name is Sugar Crash. I was talking telling someone to, to saying something about them earlier. Uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, blah 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 blah, sugar crash, and I'm just now realizing that's not their name
2: <laughs> I always think of their name as in the opening of men in black sugar cult. <laughs> We watched that the other day.
1: Fun times. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if there's a band that we've covered that don't deserve their name to be remembered, that's Sugar Cult. Don't worry, we'll have more of those as we <laughs> go on. No, no, I want to I want to be positive. We're gonna have no bands that's bad. We're only gonna listen to good things from
2: now on. Good news! Let's go to one of the better tracks on this album. Is It Me? Is It True?
0: Is it me? Is it true? Every word I this conversation it dies the hope that's in your eyes is it worthless yes yeah, so are right. you been dreaming
1: It has a very grungy bass opening, but then after that, you said it's one of the better? I don't like it much. It sounds like if someone slowed down of a Loud Boy song by Half Speed. It's suddenly alt-rock. And
2: then there's baby piano playing in the background of different parts of this track, which is even better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
2: And, much like me, sex is old, old and boring.
1: Yeah, they keep They keep going on that theme. It will come back. And yeah,
2: I guess. This is dating tips for the teenager who doesn't know why everybody punches him when he speaks. (laughs) Oh,
1: dear. (laughs) Like in this song, they shout a lot. But I don't think this guy's voice is made for shouting because it's very monotone. I feel that he ruins a lot of the songs. I don't really like this guy as an emo singer. I think there's very little emotion in his voice. And yeah, I don't know. I appreciate the dark, grungy bass, but I don't know, I don't get this song. This doesn't really enthuse me.
2: It's not amazing, but it has one of the most distinct sounds on the record. It's in and out. It's well paced. I like it. It's my number one with a bullet. I see what you did there. Yep.
0: So now I
3: have two Fall Out Boy songs stuck in my head, and like I think that I'm just
1: going to quit now.
2: Because of the baby piano in this track, I have the MUP Babies theme stuck in my head.
1: <laughs> so shall we move on to... Uh, well, we can skip God is Dead, because Pop Punk killed it, and it's an unremarkable one-minute mid-throw.
2: My single note is trans-song, trans-song, as in transition.
1: <laughs> You're not bringing that back, flesh. Let's go on to A Whole New World.
2: No, mostly I just thought of the song from Aladdin every time I came up to this track and then was very
1: underwhelmed. There is fun fact, uh, Hakushi Hasegawa, which is a great jazz uh, Japanese jazz person who makes uh, music, did a great cover of the actual Disney song, A Whole New World, in his last year record. Definitely recommend listening to it. If a jazz cover of an Aladdin song interests you, this is the best one that you're going to listen to in a while. Soul.
3: <laughs> All right, Ellie, you, you've you sold me on that, too.
1: <laughs> a sold new world. But yeah, walk Hold New Horn has like this 90s alt rock guitar intro. And like also like has this very indie-ish detached, you know, cool singing where it's like it's not doing its usual shouty thing. It's actually like a bit more lower key. It's not bad. Has very anime opening vibes.
2: (laughs) It kind of does a little. So I think this one is very ballad-esque in its pacing. It's got some of the least lyrics on the album, but it's one of the longest tracks. Because it's just kind of droned out in a way that doesn't really do anything. And also the lyrical content reminds me of... Once Upon a Time... There was a site named Deadspin, which you should not go to anymore because all of the staff left due to their boss being a herb. But they founded a new site called Defector, and they do not, quote, just stick to sports. One of their writers actually covers science news in a way that I love, which is, We have discovered how to smash an atom. I want you to stick my head inside this machine and to turn me into less than
1: dust. Don't smash Adam. We won't have a co-host if you do that.
3: I mean, honestly, I was thinking, you know what? I can get behind that.
2: <laughs> and that's that's what I feel when we have break me down to an atom. Because yes, I know there's no salvation. This is just nihilism the track.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It sounds nice. It sounds nicer than a lot of tracks on this record. I like it. Sort of like alt rock 90s sound with a bit of indie 2000 put in there with the vocals. I don't know
2: little faster, and I'd probably bump it up a notch.
1: That is fair. I think I, it could use a better chorus, but it could be worse. It could be worse. Could be better. Could be worse. I think this is fine.
2: Perfectly fine is a good way to put it. After this, though... From the whole new world to being empty like the ocean, the worst follow-up to a Duran Duran song. <laughs>
1: I don't even know why I got that joke. It's such a huge leap, but I got I know. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it should not work. It's like a bee. It should not fly, but it flies anyway. Anyhow. Make my body
0: motion. Yeah, the nut is young. Open like the ocean, cold as
2: This song is about how sex is terrible and it's the first time they say fuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, big ace moods here, but aside from that, I don't know, this is sort of a mediocre post-hardcore song, which by 2004, I know we jumped a bit ahead, but by 2004 we'll probably be really bored of post-hardcore. I feel that this is sort of like a post-hardcore song that doesn't quite get there. And it's really killed by the shouty mid-pitch singing of the main singer, which I don't really like for emo stuff. I don't think it really works. No,
2: it's very basic bitch emo, to use the term. Cancelled. As a white fella, you cannot kill my career with cancellation.
3: I mean, it doesn't stick. I'm going to keep trying. It's
1: like trying to get a cockroach.
3: Like, you can't get it the first time, but you just gotta keep going.
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Empty Like the Ocean, as the title says, it's sort of an empty song.
3: Yep, not not a lot there, except for it's one of the longer songs that's not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, yeah, that one's just stupid. That doesn't count as a song.
2: (laughs) This is my second favorite track on this album.
3: You know what? That's okay.
2: Yes. I think it's the fact that it's just so distinct. It's garbage. But it's very unique garbage in a way that stands out to me. I guess? I would not put this on at a party, because again, I would end up being punched. (laughs) But it sounds so much more than... The next four tracks I basically just have notes like not the most gripping This is Blander, kind of depressing. Also, this track has one of my favorite segments of the show, Genius Said It Best.
1: Okay, let's go. No. Let us go to the genius machine.
2: Nothing quite like a one-night stand. The shame and pleasure makes it a deadly concoction few resist, especially when alcohol and or drugs are involved. This song tells the story of a man at a party club, where he meets a woman who is coming on to him, but the man meets her advances with reproach. She tries to chat him up, but he doesn't take the bait. He instead hits her with some philosophical thought that, no matter how close we get to each other, we cannot escape a feeling of loneliness. Sex won't fix it, drugs won't fix it, and we stumble through life feigning to care about others. Teal Dear, this song is about loneliness and how inescapable it is. God, they're so right.
1: Thank you.
3: Uh. Every time we do one of these, it shaves off a year of my will to live.
1: Uh. You have will to live?
3: How am I supposed to be annoyingly positive in the face of this, huh?
1: I don't know. That's why you lose all of your will to live and then start the podcast about pop punk. (laughs)
2: Don't worry, just uh, just do what they suggest at the end and dance until the sweat forms on your face. Which, by the way, is the white person version of Get Low by Little John.
3: <laughs> Noted. Okay.
2: Okay. I contain multitudes, much like our next track, where nothing is ever what it seems.
1: This is once again Midtown trying to do like Taking Back Sunday, so like Taking Back Midtown I guess. They have like about 30 seconds of song on this, and they stretch it for like 4 minutes. I don't know. I hate this.
2: This is very bland. And this was about where I started going, so what tracks could you cut on this album? because there's a few.
3: I know one.
1: (laughs) You could definitely cut this one, because again, this song should be 30 seconds. Like, they have 30 seconds of a song written, and they stretch it out to four minutes, and it's terrible. Also, they use the line, don't cry for me, I'm already dead, which, you dumb fuck, that's from The Simpsons. You don't sound smart when you say that. That is literally a line from The Simpsons.
2: I know, it was great. I always think of that Barney art film.
1: Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. <laughs> that is a good Barney impression, by the way.
2: I can do a soberingly large amount of The Simpsons cast. Mm-hmm. Good job. Hey, uh, Bon, I, I think you gotta pay your bill.
1: I mean, me telling you good job wasn't an invitation to do more Simpson impressions, to be fair, but yeah.
2: We had to do something to discuss this track.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't like this one. I think this is one of the weakest songs on the record. Mm.
2: It easily is, and that's counting the fact that there are two transitional tracks. Mm -hmm. One of them being The Tragedy of the Human Condition.
3: This is my favorite song on the album.
1: It's a one minute interstitial with some good blip bloops. And I don't know, this is nice. I don't think this band has really the skill and the compositional like ability to pull off this song in a longer form. But as a one minute interstitial, yeah, I can get behind it.
3: I love it because it's a one minute interstitial.
2: Chill pop punk beats to study to. Is that what the guy on the cover is doing? Studying?
3: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah.
2: I want to see an anime version of this of the cover to this album just put to some random station because it has some serious lo-fi beats to study two vibes, but in the other depressing direction. Honestly, yeah. Lo-fi lives to struggle to get out of.
1: Yeah, for the people who are not seeing the cover right now because we're an audio medium, uh, the cover is like this dingy table, like wooden table, and there's this old person eating some breakfast cereal on it, and it's all like this... You know, this profile shot, and it's really, yeah, no, I can see it. It's a very lo-fi beat to study for in a very
2: sad way. Back to The Simpsons for 10 seconds. It's Lenny, Please Don't Tell Anyone How I Live, the album cover.
3: Yes, yes. It's lo-fi beats to have your school workload-induced nervous breakdown to.
2: <laughs> that explains where the hair went.
1: Yep. Also, this makes me want cereal, which I cannot eat because I'm trying to lose weight. Sad.
2: Good news. I have a, an empty sack of cereal right next to me because it's my snack food. It was Special K. I eat it dry. <laughs> By the handful. <laughs> yeah. Are
1: you a chicken? I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, this is the wonderful humor that Goraga out of this town provides you. Shall we get to the next song?
2: Let's start waiting for the news.
1: This is my favorite song on the record. I can see that. It starts with the singer trying to do emotions, and the way that the singer does emotions is like, what if I do a falsetto? And like, it's not how humans express emotions, but I guess it's a way to express emotions. And yeah, I don't know, it's sort of good. The falsetto bit is very Elliot Smith-y, especially like it reminds me of figure eight, because of the... There's a prominent piano bit, and it's sort of soft. And then it moves into this really good emo chorus with some good melodic work that's sort of offbeat and reminds me a bit of Followed Out Boy. There's like some great production. I really like the piano in this song. The song is sort of like a really low-key banger. It's like good stuff. This is the
2: number three in my top three. It's incredibly depressing, but it does have an energy... It does not waste your time. And it's got that goth love feel that I'm all about.
1: Yeah, I would also like to note that on this song, it once again, we go into the theme that this guy really doesn't like sex. Like, a lot of it is like, even though we sleep together, we're alone. And like, dude, asexuality is a thing. You don't have to be so goddamn Nemo about it. Like, it's fine. You cannot be sexually attracted to people. You don't have to write, like, about five emo songs about it.
3: See, that's the thing, is that, like, points to Cobra Starship, like, I think that they may have not have been asexual. Yeah, yeah. I think they might have just been an incel. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. Like, I am all for... <laughs> ace songs we need more of that shit i don't i i don't think this is it
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i like this song this is like a really solid emo song where the slow part works really well and the more heavy part has like some really good melodic work and the production is great the production is actually very layered the piano works really well which i don't say a lot i think in implementing piano in emo is often really cheesy But the production really works well here. I really like the piano and how it's used. And I'm not sure I completely get the lyrics, but whatever. It sounds good. Favorite song of the record. Yay! Oh, the lyrics.
2: It's a son talking to his father about the crushing depression over losing or being left by a partner. And just... Yeah, you think you know somebody, but even though we sleep together, we are alone, and both of them find it hard to get out of bed in the aftermath of whatever happened. It's got some real sting talking about a seaside town that has been abandoned by the shipping industry energy.
0: Yeah.
2: What is the next song? Until it kills, the second one that starts discussing all those poisons in us. When we're talking about how this has some, uh, some incel vibes, definitely starting to wonder if the poison is not, in fact, semen. <laughs> Fletch! Look, he's saying, We were never pure again. Tonight we'll cleanse our souls. Keep them safe inside your home. This whole thing does have a, mm, I don't know, vibe. Both tracks where they're talking about those poisons in ya. Especially given what the next track is titled.
1: I don't have any other comments after this about this song. I think I'm done. I think I'm leaving the podcast. You can do this without me.
3: Ellie, don't be a coward. If I haven't quit yet, you can't quit either.
1: You've quit multiple times on this podcast, Adam. But I'm still here. That is fair. Also, I will give
2: some actual criticism and constructive discussion. Uh, Until It Kills is weirdly chipper, given the lyrics that I was just quoting, and goes on one loop too long. I think if you cut this down by one verse, you'd probably have a good song, but it does start to turn into some never-ending sea shanty bullshit.
1: Yeah, I got really distracted during this song. Like... I genuinely started to listening to Cobra Starship song during this song. I, I when I say I don't have any further comment on this song, I honestly mean it. I don't remember it. I'm sorry.
2: This song is the musical equivalent of when a load screen goes on longer than five seconds in a video game, so you pull out your phone and fuck around with it for ten minutes.
1: That is very accurate.
2: That is actually very accurate. Anything, Adam?
3: Yeah, y'all said it
2: all, like... (laughs) Speaking of saying it all, how about the real mouthful of a title on Track 12? Hey, baby, don't you know that we're all whores? (laughs)
3: Can I just say that this is the song where I'm just like, well, I don't remember this one at all. So what my brain has supplanted instead is a Panic! at the Disco song because, you know, looks at the title.
1: Why would anyone want to listen to Panic! at the Disco when I don't know how badly found me exists?
3: Because I'm young and hip, Ellie. Uh,
2: so, yeah, this one is um, real weird about women.
1: Okay, I don't know the lyrics from this one, so please explain to us.
2: I'm just gonna read direct quotes throughout this. Hey baby, spare me your pretension. I know you can't spread an infection. Yeah, the drama never ends. The doctors say that it's too late now. Suffocation, suffocation, leave it alone. Hey, do we stand at revelation? Jesus, forgive my congregation. Yeah, the drama never ends, but now it's time you learn. Baby, we're whores. Nothing less and nothing more. I love the way you conquer style. I love how children lack your vision. I love the way you're reaching for that gun. And then it just leave it alone until it ends.
1: I don't know. I don't read a lot into this, but it's very vague and not really, you know. Yeah, this is a nice little rock song. I don't hate it.
2: I started this track describing it as a great wake-up track. With some good speed, and by the end of it it was just Is this a murder song?
1: (laughs) Yeah, everyone has one of those when we talk about emo, so I don't know. I did enjoy the choke a person song last in the Finch episode. So what do you know? That should be our
3: new thing instead of trans song, trans song. It needs to be Murder murder Song, Murder Song.
1: song. (laughs) Yes.
2: Oh. Definitely.
1: I think there is more murder representation in this genre than, you know, trans representation, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, Murderer's
2: Rights," the pop-punk anthem.
1: I don't know, the only thing I have to say about this song, aside from, it's honestly like a fa- fine rock song. The last 30 seconds are not that good. It sort of has this really drawn-out outro that doesn't really lead to anything. It doesn't even uh, mesh with the next song, so I don't know why it's there
3: reminds me of this album in its entirety
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah this may be Midtown's best album but that doesn't make Midtown a good band
1: mm. Like this is midtown best album and I'm still not sure if I want to give it three out of five <laughs>
2: <sighs> so let's let's all help each other sleep.
3: for the Atom Smasher.
1: Uh, My one note on this song is this is too loud and I don't like it. I don't know why you give this song this title because
2: it's one of the loudest, fastest tracks on the
1: album. I don't know. It doesn't really click for me. Again, they're lacking sort of catchiness. They're lacking hooks. Like this song feels loud for the sake of being loud, which just throws me off. I don't know. I don't love it. I don't... It, it never clicked for me. Every time I listen to this song, it's just like, ah, loud.
3: I liked the guitar on this one. I thought it was neat. I didn't mind that it was loud because I just ha- always had my volume turned down very low when I listen to these things now. Because some people <laughs> can't be trusted <laughs> to keep their music at a reasonable volume consistently through the track.
1: How are you, like... Under forty, Adam. When you say these things,
2: I'm right here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> listen, listen. In spirit, I'm sure that Fletch is much younger than I.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree on this <laughs> point.
2: Ah. <sighs> oh. But yeah, we're we're in the home stretch, and there's so little left to discuss. So let's move on to Manhattan. I can't...
1: i actually enjoy the songs to a point like this is almost like a real song rather than a pop punk song so i need to like actually talk about it go for it it's like i don't know it feels like one uh later the deer hunter song but without any of the subtlety the first half is like this nice like builds this nice miserable atmosphere the production helps a lot it's like It starts very acoustic, very minimalistic, and slowly swells with like... I don't know if they use strings, but they definitely use some kind of digital sound. And it sort of swells up this atmospheric shit. And like, there's this really good build-up that goes from like, really minimalistic and miserable to like, builds and builds and layers and layers. And then it bursts into a rock song. And it's again, just very loud. So the composition of this kind of song should generally, like, build this, like, grimy and miserable atmosphere and then burst into energy while keeping the atmosphere some way. Like, that's why you build the song this way, because you want to make something that's loud, but that's also, like, sort of sad. But when this bursts into energy, it sort of loses all of the sadness and, like, sort of atmosphere of the first bit. And I sort of lose interest at this point. It just becomes loud for the sake of loud. I think it's a really good half of a song. I really like the atmospheric, sad, like, first half. And then I could take or leave the, the, the second bit.
3: I liked this song too, also. Like, I, the first half was good. I thought it also could have been shorter, which is bad news. Um, If I want to shorten the three-minute long song.
1: yeah. And if you want more songs like this, just listen to Act uh, 5 by The Deer Hunter, which is a really good, like, sort of post-hardcore, progressive, weird record.
3: I second that notion. Listen to The Deer Hunter. It's good.
1: Fletch, do you have anything on
2: this one? Uh, Honestly, this feels like it should be a final track outro to the album, just the way it's paced and the build-up and the climax. That's why the fact that we have the one more track is wild. Do we want to get into our very mixed
1: experiences with uh yeah let let us talk about so long as we keep our bodies numb we're safe.
2: easiest time with this, Ellie. Why don't you tell us how this went for you?
1: Yes, so my version of the record, which is on YouTube, because Spotify doesn't carry this in Europe, assumedly because of their whole, like, label shit, um, this song is five minutes. I can also access from YouTube a two-minute cut from the video game ATV Off-Road Fury 3, truly a classic, And holy crap, that one is chopped up. And I can also access a four-minute nightcore version of this track, which is, to be honest, the best version of this track. And and yeah, I mean, from my point of view, this is just like a five-minute song. I don't love it, but it's a decent close of the album, sort of like, again, another post-hardcore song that were sort of a dime a dozen at the time. But it's not unpleasant, and it closes the album well. So... I didn't mind the song. Let us tell us about your experience, Adam, Fletch, Americans. It's
2: over 13 minutes long, and it's not two tracks. It's just an unceasing cycle that slowly drops the vocals behind a rising volume of instruments the whole time every bit repeats
3: listen so i did not like the start of this album the middle of the album was like whatever and i really did not like the end of this album at all so you know that kind of shot it for me i i think that i'm gonna start boycotting Albums that have songs that go on for longer than eight minutes.
2: You already accidentally have on a couple of occasions.
3: You know, (laughs) that's very funny. I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm going to pretend I did.
2: Yeah, the first Jimmy Eat World EP
1: was uh, one of those. Anyhow, are we done talking about this record? I think we are. Any quick final thoughts on the record? I think
2: that... While I don't know if it goes full in cell, it definitely has that very, I guess in 2004 it would be a dig guy sort of vibe that you maybe don't want to make eye contact with a party because if you make eye contact with this album, it will think you're showing interest and then it will start talking to you endlessly for 13 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, like, lyrically, this is very Fedora, as we mentioned. Musically, I don't know. This is the best Midtown album, which doesn't make it great, but it's definitely the most interesting thing they've done. They have clearly have, like, a lot of different influences that sort of they bring into this record, and every track is sort of different in a very interesting way, which I can appreciate. I think about 50% of the record sort of hits And the other 50% really doesn't. The voice doesn't really do it for me, but I don't know. If you're gonna listen to a Midtown album, which I don't know that you should in general, but if you're gonna listen to a Midtown album, this is it. This is the best thing they've done. Mm? Shrug emoji. By a mile. Yep, my rating on this is shrug emoji out of five.
3: Yeah, mine is like a frowning shrug emoji though.
2: I will give it the no parking sign out of emoji. Can we
1: move on to what happened to the band after this record?
3: If we must.
2: Yes, let's do that.
1: So, in 2005, after touring with Armor for Sleep, the band will split, with all of the members going their own way. His Saraceno will join Census Field for a fairly long stint, but we all know this is not what everyone is here for, because there is a big elephant in the room when we talk about Midtown. So, if anyone wants to help us here, remember, what, what did the guy from Midtown end up doing afterwards? Cobra Starship.
2: I remember all of this because, yes, a novelty band was formed to coincide with the movie Snakes on the Plane, and it was called Cobra Starship, Mm -hmm. who had the hit Snakes on a Plane. But here's the thing. Somehow, Cobra Starship outlived the movie that everyone who was not alive back then forgot and went on to become major chart-topping electro-pop artists for the next
1: decade. And we sorry we haven't mentioned this, but this the the lead the, this the connection here is the lead singer of Cobra Starship, is the lead singer of Midtown. It's Gabe Saporta. Yeah, I had just spent the last a lot of time just looking at Cobra Starship video and how like amazingly late 2000 there are. I love them. They're great, they're awful, and they're great. It's so good.
2: It is just a delight.
1: Like, it's a delight. Their second record will be produced by Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy? Because, why not? It's the late 2000s. <laughs> and you can tell because their first single uh, has, has Stump in it, of course, in the video, and sounds like the shittiest Fallout Boy b-side and I love it.
2: I'll throw it out there. I don't know
1: deep album cut
2: tracks from Cobra Starship, but all of their singles are bangers.
3: I only know two of their songs. I know Hot Mess, and I know I Kissed a Boy.
1: I did provide some links to videos. I don't think I dived into any deep album track for Cobra Starship, because why would you want to? The main attraction here is how, like, cheesy and over the top these videos are
2: yeah they know what they're doing and that's why they're so
1: good yeah their third album is sort of where they go full electro stuff and i love the video for good girls go bad just because they look so darky in it like they're trying to be cool and like i don't know like they're trying to be sort of like that sort of over the top cool club stuff but they just look so darky in it, they look like the guys from Smosh or something. And, yeah, I do not believe any girl has ever gone bad for any of these guys, but they still try to sell you this song, and it's amazing. Also, in the style of the late 2000s, they have an actress, who's not a singer, I think it's an actress from Gossip Girl, to sing the chorus. And like, yeah, yeah, that used to happen back then. It did. She's incredibly out-of-tune, for obvious reason. Remember the era
2: where, well, I don't know if either of you do, actually, every single person who was on a reality show would try to segue that into a singing career, and they would also film half the season around the recording of the album? I do. Yes, yes, I do remember Paris Hilton's singing career. Oh, we're not talking Paris Hilton, we're talking... Two members of Jersey Shore. We're talking multiple real housewives of various cities. We're talking this happened often.
3: I was oblivious to all of it. Ignorance is bliss.
1: I love this era of bullshit. I love it. I just look at this video and smile because it's so dumb. And yeah. No, Cobra Starship. The guy from Midtown went to do Cobra Starship. In 2011, they will, you know, publish their last record. And can you li- can you list? Fletch, you're good at lists. Can you give me okay. the featuring list on the video for the on the first single for their last record? Well,
2: their first single will feature Andrew and Andrew, twin look-alike DJs, Brooklyn hip-hop duo Ninja Sonic, photographer Nikki Digital. MTV News Correspondent. Remember when there was an MTV News to have correspondents? James Montgomery. L. Magazine's Creative Director, Joe Z. JustJared.com's own, Jared Eng. Jersey Shore's The Situation. Singer, Winter Gordon. Actress, Zelda Williams. Her late father, comedian and actor, Robin Williams. The Soup host, Joel McHale. Pete Wentz of Fallout Boy. And, of course, your favorite, waning hip-hop and late-night superstar, Jay Leno. I made up some of those, but you can't tell which ones, and that's the best part.
1: (laughs) I love this. I was watching this video, and it was like Robin Williams suddenly, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I love this. I love this. So much, I cannot explain how much I enjoyed researching Cobra Starship for this episode. Oh no, I'm going to take this to the next level by
2: continuing this story, with the record featuring titles such as Pete Wentz is the Only Reason We're Famous, and The Scene is Dead, Long Live the Scene, and of course, Hashtag One Night.
1: I am sorry, Fletch, it is Hashtag One Night, bracket, one night, close bracket. You have to get the title right. Yeah. The late 2000s were a thing. They were both fantastic and horrifying. Also, important note here. In 2010, Gabe will actually be fundamental in introducing millionaires. Remember millionaires? To a record label. Like, he will introduce them to crash management, which will help them get their actual record deal. And if you don't remember Millionaires, go search for Millionaires Band. They were like a MySpace phenomenon who were like sort of a proto-Kesha, but way more seen and way worse, like, musically. Like, they had that sort of party persona, but with the whole scene aesthetic, and they were terrible. I know what all of those words mean, but I don't know a thing you just said.
3: <laughs> You're, it's your brain trying to protect you, Fletch.
1: And everyone hated them. I feel a bit too much, but they actually got a record deal. Go look up The Millionaires. Alcohol. It's horrible. And it exists. I listened to that track earlier. I still don't know what to make of it. And Gabe from Midtown helped them get a record deal. I loved it. This is great.
3: It is pretty great.
1: What in the hell?
3: Well, that's the end of our show. Good night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cobra Starship is like the weird dark mirror to LMFAO.
1: Yeah, they're like, what if LMFAO was I don't even know how to how to put it. They're definitely less charismatic than LMFAO and probably less slightly less in on the joke, especially in their last record which was a bit more serious, quote unquote. And I don't know how to what to make of it except that I love it. 10 out of 10.
2: In 2012, Cobra Starship was Justin Bieber's main support act. Remember when Justin Bieber was big enough to need multiple support acts, and this was
1: what paired with him? Uh, Yeah, in 2013, Gabe will also feature in Eve's single, Make It Out of This Town, which I only mention because that's the title of our podcast, basically. Yeah! Anyhow, Cobra Starship will somehow continue to tour until 2015, when they finally split.
2: Let's talk about where all of them are now. As we've mentioned, Gabe Saporta takes quite a while with front-facing presentation gigs for MTV and radio stations, becomes a manager and producer with Mike Carden of the Academy. Tag Music, also known as The Artist Group, is uh, the company he founds. Their roster includes Naomi Wilde, Palm Springsteen, mark johns and tessa violet who uh i guess started her career
1: as a vlogger and
2: despite being 30 looks 12
1: yeah i had to check it out because i was like how old is this person and like he's 30 and genuinely looks like she's like 12 or 13 it's i mean it's basically adam <laughs> god damn it
3: I don't know what this person looks like, but uh, uh, if you ever want to picture me in your head, probably that's close.
2: Previously known as Mika Kitty. Yep. And as of four hours ago, she was playing Among Us with fans. <laughs> of course. Ah, Rob Hit is now a web developer. Bless his heart. Heath Saraceno, after playing for six or so years in Senses Fail, retired to private life, and the trail goes cold. And whatever Tyler Ran is doing, we're sure he's having a bloody good
1: time of it. Yeah, he has a dog. I, I stalked his Instagram. He has a dog. He's been in Italy like three years ago. Still plays music sometimes. I don't think it's his main gig, but he seems to be doing all right. And that's Midtown. That is Midtown. We've completed Midtown. Where does Midtown chart in our stack?
2: Am I just adding Midtown, or do I count the Cobra Starship too?
1: I'm afraid we cannot count Cobra Starship, because that's not really what we covered. So you have to only put Midtown there. Midtown is lowest. Really? Worst? Of our completed bands?
2: Worse than Phoenix TX? Okay, above Phoenix TX. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I forgot Phoenix TX existed I don't again. think
1: they're better than Zebrahead, but Midtown never used any transphobic slur, so I'm gonna put them second. I'm gonna say Zebrahead, Midtown, Goldfinger, and Phoenix TX is my my chart there.
3: That That sounds like mine too.
1: <laughs>
2: In terms of music, though, I would put on Goldfinger before Midtown again.
1: I guess, but I need to be petty here. Like, you're not wrong, but... I think also Midtown, at least with this last record, it's way more interesting than Goldfinger.
2: I could see that.
3: Next time we finish a band, we'll be doing our ranks, and, like, Midtown just won't be there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll just have forgotten them. Anyhow, what's next week?
2: Uh, We are doing An American Paradox by Strung Out, which... I have bad news. Early uh, checking makes it seem like this is also not going to be pop-punk. They were touring with Papa Roach at this time.
1: I mean, yeah, that clearly was their last resort for a touring companion. Wow. Wow. Good
2: God, Ellie.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's not a thanks. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome.
3: I didn't get the I didn't get the joke until just now cuz um I'm firing on approximately half a cylinder today. <laughs> yeah, that's the mood. But that was that was pretty good. Good job, Ellie.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Um shall we go to the ending bit? Yeah. Why not?
0: Same song, different chorus.
1: So, this was an episode that we yeeted into the air. Ugh.
3: Easily one of the episodes we've had.
1: Easily. You can find us at getoutofthistown.com. You can yeet us a mail at getoutofthistownpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. God! Getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. You can yeet us a tweet at ggottpodcast. Go! No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we do not have a patreon but if you want to yeet us some baked goods individually we would not mind
1: have a good night everyone
2: <sighs> good night i'ma yeet y'all across this <laughs> fucking pond
3: Wee. what's
0: on your mind not like i've got the time to stick around i'll catch my flight like a pop-up get out of this town what's on your mind no
2: point left to keep your image down. Let's
3: terrify. Did you say yeet?
2: No, I said yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're young. I don't know if no, you're No, I'm not
3: th- that much of a hip youngster.
2: <laughs> I didn't know if you're one of them kids what uses that word for everything. I'm going to yeet a hot dog down my throat. If you
3: wanted me to. <laughs>
2: That's a thing I've heard coworkers say.